to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. The show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week, we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Now, here's your host, the award-winning Paul Vogelzang. Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Interview Series on radio and podcast. We are broadcasting just outside of Washington, D.C. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and we have another groundbreaking episode for our show. We are going to delve into the lives and achievements of women who didn't just survive but thrived in the golden years of their lives. Today, we have a special treat for you, a narrative that's not just about science but about shattering glass ceilings. Are you ready to be inspired? You know, when we talk about physics and astronomy, names like Einstein and Hawking often come to mind. Our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Shohini Ghosh, appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our website for more details. Smithsonian Associate Shohini Ghosh will answer the questions about why and how often we hear about Henrietta Leavitt, who helped us understand the scale of the universe, or Mary Golda Ross, the Cherokee aerospace scientist who had a hand in the moon landings. Not often enough, I'd say. And it's been going on since, well, for a long time, and certainly since Sputnik. The year before Sputnik launched, Alice Joyce Kerr Neighbors joined Werner von Braun's team in Alabama. She was an Alabama native, one of eight siblings born and raised on a farm in Randolph County. The family was poor, but there was no question of the kids dropping out of school. Their mother wouldn't have it. When Joyce was in the fifth grade, she solved a math problem that stumped her teacher. That's when she knew she had a gift. After finishing high school in 1948, she worked for a while to earn enough money to afford college. In 1950, she enrolled at Auburn University, graduating with a math degree as well as a physics minor. She continued with graduate studies in physics before she and her husband, Bill, moved to Huntsville. Bill started an important but hush-hush career in intelligence during the Cold War, while Joyce joined the Army Ballistic Missile Agency, ABMA, in 1956. She became the first woman scientist to work in Von Braun's team there. The Huntsville rocket team had been tasked with designing a launch system to put a satellite in orbit. The fastest approach was to modify an existing Redstone missile. They lengthened the rocket and optimized the engines to provide the necessary boost to lift the satellite out of the atmosphere. Meanwhile, the satellite payload and the secondary stages of the rocket were being built by the Jet Propulsion Lab in California. There, a team of women computers led by Macy Roberts performed the mathematical calculations to design the mission parameters. But President Eisenhower eventually gave the green light instead to Project Vanguard a Navy satellite mission, and canceled the Army project. But then, before Vanguard could launch, Sputnik 1 made headlines in October 1957, followed by Sputnik 2 and Laika's trip to space in November. In December, the Vanguard rocket exploded on the launch pad. The Army's mission, dubbed Explorer 1, was on again. Joyce Neighbors led a team tasked with working out the exact flight path of Explorer and determining the highest point in the flight. 
that's when the second stage engines would ignite and put the satellite in orbit. If the engines fired at the wrong time, all would be lost. The calculation was extremely tricky. It depended on the weight and burn rate of the rocket fuel and on the performance of the engines, none of which was standard in those early days of spaceflight. Despite those challenges, neighbors felt that her team was up to the job. Their calculations helped to finalize the flight path, and on January 31st, 1958, Explorer 1 lifted off. It's wonderful to imagine what it must have felt like for neighbors to watch that first rocket soar. When she was asked about the moment years later, she merely said, it was very successful. The orbit was a bit higher than expected, but the satellite not only successfully orbited the planet, it even fulfilled its main scientific goal, to detect zones of charged particles around the Earth. These came to be called the Van Allen belts after James Van Allen, the chief scientist of the Explorer 1 mission. The success of Explorer 1 helped America to recover somewhat from the Sputnik shock. Newsreels giddily reported the news of the first U.S. satellite in space. Photographs of Von Braun, Van Allen, and William Pickering, the head of the Jet Propulsion Lab, were splashed in newspapers and magazines, and they became national celebrities. Joyce Neighbors and the team of women computers at JPL never hit the headlines. But Neighbors' work was deemed so crucial that she was given the singular honor of signing her name on the mission chart next to the signatures of Werner von Braun and Ernst Stuhlinger, another leading German scientist on the team. Only her first initials and her last name, though. A woman's name would undermine the credibility of the chart. Names of former Nazis, however, were no problem. And that's our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Shohini Ghosh, reading from her new book, Her Space, Her Time, How Trailblazing Women Scientists Decoded the Hidden Universe. Dr. Shohini Ghosh is a professor of physics and computer science at Wilfrid Laurier University in Canada, a TED Senior Fellow and the NSERC Chair for Women in Science and Engineering. So, whether you're a budding scientist, a lifelong learner, or someone who appreciates the power of a good story, stay tuned. This episode promises to be a cosmic journey through time, space, and the indomitable human spirit. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates Inside Science interview series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate, Dr. Shohini Ghosh. Dr. Shohini Ghosh, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Paul. It's so nice to talk with you. I think this is going to be a wonderful conversation. You'll be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. You'll be talking about a lot of things, including your new book titled Her Space, Her Time, How Trailblazing Women Scientists Decoded the Hidden Universe. You've shared the book with me. You've generously read a passage from the book. We're so appreciative of that. And I want to talk about the book, certainly, but let's start right at the start here and talk a little bit about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Tell us briefly what you'll be presenting and how you'll use Zoom to engage our audience. We're all using Zoom these days, so maybe give us a sense as to uh, what you'll be sharing. Sure. I'm very excited to be talking about the book on Tuesday, October 17th at 6.45 online. So uh, what's nice, of course, about Zoom is that you can, uh, you know, 
plug in and listen and, and participate from anywhere mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. So I hope there'll be lots of interest in that. And we'll be talking about both science and women's experiences and history of physics and astronomy and who knows what else. So <laughs> exciting. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. Yes. Uh, I like that. A wide range of things. And and the book is, it really covers a lot of things that I, I, I have to tell you, I, I really was not aware of it must that must have been inspiration enough but what was it that you felt was so important to begin telling these stories now yeah so um it's true these women's stories are not known and to Mm -hmm. me that is just it's stunning because they're Mm -hmm. all you know so so wonderfully inspiring and compelling um and personally uh, the reason i i felt i really needed to um, explore this more is on a personal level as a physicist myself it's been you know, often quite a lonely journey because mm-hmm. there's still quite a lack of representation in my field. Um, and so for me, also, when I was a student back in the day, I didn't know the stories of all these amazing women. So it and that actually has an effect on how you see yourself and your own identity as a scientist. It always felt like I'm a bit of an outsider. And, you know, there's always that little voice in your head saying, well, do I am I really supposed to be here? Do I belong? And part of that is not knowing about all these other women who've gone before me. So over the years, I did actually uh, spend a lot of time exploring all of these histories. And then the pandemic happened and it felt like the ideal time to sit and focus and think about these wonderful women. They were, it was almost like self-therapy. Mm-hmm. They were in my in my head, you know, egging me on and you know, <laughs> being able to deal with this kind of terrible time and use it to you know, dig up all these stories. Yeah, and, and they're wonderful. And, and, and it's interesting to hear you talk a little bit about it from a personal standpoint. I I found that the the women were just, they were, they were, you know, it was just this remarkable collection of, of, of some rule breakers, of some trendsetters, uh, diverse backgrounds. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about race and gender and, and even class and what role that might play in in some of the scientific contributions that these women made? Yeah, so, you know, in physics and astronomy, we often think about it as somehow removed from who we are, because, of course, the laws of physics are the same, no matter, you know, where you come from or what your background is. It's all the same equation. So we don't we tend to separate the two out. But of course, that's not really the case. It does matter who you are. And race, gender and class plays a role because uh, these women succeeded, you know, despite a lot of challenges they felt they faced being women, being from various backgrounds, uh, women of color, indigenous women, black women. These are not, uh, you know, uh, communities that are well represented in physics. So that, as I was saying, even in my own experience, is something Mm -hmm. that becomes quite challenging. So what I wanted to do with this book is to bring that out, as in talk about science being done in all of that context. Because, yes, these women succeeded, but they were unusual, and it shouldn't be unusual. I do agree that science is for everybody. And when we talk about, oh, physics doesn't really, it shouldn't matter what your gender is. Of course not, because all the equations are the same. So we do need to get to that point where, you know, our own backgrounds shouldn't impede us in any way. And that's why I felt like we we need to talk about that without ignoring all of their backgrounds and their identities, but talk about it in the context 
of what that meant for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really a, a a brilliant take on on all of this, and and congratulations on on this wonderful book. Our guest, of course, is Dr. Shohini Ghosh. Dr. Shohini Ghosh has written her space, her time, how trailblazing women scientists decoded the hidden universe. And I wonder if you'd tell us maybe a story or two of some of these challenges, race, gender, class, all almost you know, amazing challenges in and of themselves, but maybe give us some specifics as to what they faced in their careers and how they overcame, how, how they overcame them. Sure. Um, so, you know, some of these stories are of women who, you know, were working back in the, you know, early days of the 20th century, for example, the early 1900s. And back then, often they were not even able to enroll in universities because these these are the first generation of women even you know being considered to be uh, capable of you know any kind of uh, university academic work so often for example there there's lots of women who um, did do all of the necessary work and enrolled in uh, courses at uh, let's say Cambridge Harvard and they never got a degree from those universities because the universities just refused to acknowledge them officially as graduates. So it, even from that kind of a challenge, they still managed to focus on what they really loved and were passionate about and got to uh, you know, a, a stage where with or without the degrees, they were part of these huge discoveries. Um, so that was uh, you know, some of the challenges of their gender in the early days, but even uh, if you look at it from the point of view of of race, absolutely there was you know this it's like a you know of course a double bind right if you it's, mm-hmm. it's you, you face both gender and racial discrimination so um, there's very very few women still in physics it's about twenty percent right now back in the in the early days it was even lower and then when you look even closer and look at how many women of color were were actually contributing or able to be participating in any of these fields, it was even lower. So I do talk about some of these incredible women, such as, you know, uh, Mary Ross, who was an indigenous woman engineer who was uh, involved in the space program, as well as, uh, you know, Biba Chaudhary, who is actually somebody very close to my heart because she's a Bengali woman like myself back in, in India during, you know, the time when, you know, the British were... Uh, in in India and you know India was part of the empire and she was uh, you know working in areas that were challenging anyway and on top of that to have to work within these constraints that were imposed at the time was really really challenging so they're really incredible that they managed to you know, continue their work and make huge contributions. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. 
Dr. Shohini Ghosh is our guest. She'll be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up. We will have links so that our audience can find out more information about Dr. Ghosh's presentation on Tuesday, October 17th, as well as direct links for Dr. Shohini Ghosh herself and her new book titled Her Space, Her Time, How Trailblazing Women Scientists Decoded the Hidden Universe. The book is wonderful. And um, again, I, I so appreciate you sharing it with me, Dr. Ghosh. I, I found just this really lovely review of the book. I, I just want to read it to you just very quickly. It's from Chris Hadfield, who's an astronaut and a number one best-selling author. And uh, Chris Hadfield says, this book is a vital, intimate chronicle of the indomitable women science pioneers who fought to better understand the universe. Shohini Ghosh, an accomplished physicist herself, not only brings these women's stories into the light, she brings them to life. So congratulations on the book. It is just wonderful. I, I want to talk about some of these women. You mentioned uh, Biba Chatteret and you mentioned Mary Ross. Let's start with Henry I. Levitt and maybe Margaret Burbage, and, and we'll move into Mary Ross and, and Biba Chatteret and Hertha Wambacher and Marietta Blau, all these great people that you talk about. With regard to Margaret Burbridge and, and Henry Levitt, um, can you share maybe a story about their discoveries and about the about specifically about the the Big Bang and and their relevance there and the kind of the cosmic calendar that I read about that maybe I think our audience will be interested in knowing how it how it shaped our understanding of time. Yes, um, you know Henrietta Levitt is one of those uh, role models that. I personally admire so much um, because she was, in fact, never really acknowledged, even as a as an astronomer in her early days when she started. She was one of these women who was who were called a, a computer back in the days of uh, mm. you know astronomy, mm -hmm. uh, early nine uh, early 1900s, because. At the time, there were women who used to do a lot of calculations of all, you know, based on all the observations that were made by the so-called official astronomers who were all men at places like Harvard you know, uh, Observatory. That's where Levitt was also based. So she was one of these computers, but she, of course, was doing all these amazing calculations. And she noticed that there was this very interesting pattern in uh, these observations of uh, these particular types of stars called Cepheid variables, which actually grow uh, you know, dimmer and brighter over time. So they don't have the same brightness. Mm. So she was the first to carefully notice that the, the sort of periodic behavior they had had a pattern to it from which you could figure out how far away the star was. Mm. So it became a distance, like a cosmic distance ruler and if you think about it, you know, when you look up at the sky, it's really hard to tell how far stars are, right? Yeah. So um, it, that, that was really game-changing because not only did we, uh, you know, have this new tool, but it actually helped to measure distances that were way farther than what we could until that point. So that really unlocked the entire universe. And from that, uh, we were able to not only uh, measure distances, but turns out from by measuring distances, eventually we were able to tell that the more distant, uh, you know, certain galaxies were, the, uh, you know, the, the, the faster they were actually moving away from the Earth. And that is actually a signature of expansion. And by uh, figuring out and calculating how fast that expansion was happening, you can actually rewind it and figure out when it all started. Hmm. And that is the moment of the Big Bang. 
So, and that's how we understood the scale of cosmic time, which is kind of a huge discovery, isn't it? Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> I, yeah, so I wonder why we don't hear her name more yeah, often. <laughs> it's really true. The other name that you mentioned, Mary Ross, is a name that we don't hear no. often. Of course, she's uh, a Cherokee Indian, a, a member of the, I'm, I'm going to try this, and I hope you'll correct me, the Anna. Gaduwagi t- tribe, perhaps, but an aerospace yeah. scientist, and and she really made some of the moon landings possible. So tell tell that story. Yeah. So Mary Ross was actually, I believe, the very first indigenous engineer that we know of, mm. and she was actually hired by Lockheed during the war. She wanted to, you know, make a contribution during the war. So she uh, and she loved mathematics. She was trained as a mathematician. So she joined Lockheed. And she actually started by designing military planes. In fact, she was involved in designing the P-38, which is which was sort of like the workhorse of uh, the war, and uh, you know was was well known for its speed and maneuverability, and really was a very important part of the war. And then after the war, because she was such an important uh, player in all of the, those kinds of efforts, Lockheed actually asked her to stay on and made her part of this very elite group of. Uh, scientists who, you know, formed the core of their skunk works. Hmm. And they eventually started developing, you know, um, recon satellites and things like this, which eventually led to, you know, a contract to develop, um, you know, rockets and, uh, you know, missions for NASA and and others. So she was involved in developing uh, this particular rocket called the GINA, rocket, which, you know, we don't hear so much about Agena because we know about Atlas and Saturn, mm-hmm. and these are mm-hmm. the major rockets that NASA used, fair enough. But Agena was actually the second stage rocket and used in many of these Atlas launches. And in some of the biggest early missions, such as Ranger and Mariner, so these are the missions that took us to early days, the probes to the moon, to Mars, to Venus, all of these came from Agena, which, which I think was launched over 300 times during its history. And so she was involved in uh, developing all that. She wrote all these uh, amazing handbooks about aerospace, uh, future aerospace uh, flights and uh, design parameters. So, yeah, that's Mary Ross. And, she, mm. you know, she's she made her mark, no doubt. And mm. she also contributed by actually after she retired, she spent a lot of time, you know, reaching out to youth and being that role model because she wanted this to be part of the bigger story of, you know, how, uh, what, what role, you know, indigenous communities have played in the history of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so th- I think that's really amazing and important, too. I agree. Well, you mentioned Biba Chowdhury and how inspirational she was. Maybe inspire us a yeah. bit more with Biba and tell us about her contribution, because she she had a very interesting discovery of subatomic particles that played yeah. a real role here today in, in a role in physics. So give us give us a sense as to who she is. Yes. And, you know, I was just thinking, I wish I had known her story when I was a student mm, growing up. And, yeah. you know, she's a Bengali woman who had this amazing contribution. And I, as a student growing up in West Bengal, I didn't even know her name. So <laughs> I feel like I need mm. to make up for it. Now. <laughs> Good. Well, so, we'll, make, we'll help. We will. Yes. Help. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So she actually was uh, she worked in, uh, you know, trying to 
detect these invisible part particles that are actually all around us, but we don't really sense them. So she used this technique, which was actually developed by yet another woman physicist named Marietta Blau, where you can actually use photographic plates not to make images or photographs, but to make images, uh, I mean, not to make images of visible objects, but to make images of these kind of tiny subatomic particles. So that's the work she was doing in the early 1940s. And uh, so she and her colleague uh, were able to discover these particular, very interesting new types of tracks, which seem to indicate this new particle that had been predicted in theory, but nobody had ever um, actually been able to detect these particles. And um, they are really important because they are part of, you know, what we uh, call today the standard model of uh, particle physics which tells us about what are the most fundamental particles in nature that everything is made up of. So she actually, she and her colleague did detect this one type of particle called the, um, you know, the, the pi meson. And so, you know, they, they had this evidence, but they couldn't quite confirm it because they didn't have enough resources and ability to improve on their results. And so they actually had to abandon their work. So and that was right before the war and so on. So because of that, they didn't continue. And then uh, after the war, in fact, there was a British researcher who continued the work, acknowledged that he used the same techniques as uh, Chaudhary and her colleague Bose and was able to confirm that this particle was a new particle. And this guy, Cecil Powell was his name. He ended up winning the Nobel Prize for that discovery. Mm. But Bibha Chaudhary was, in fact, involved strongly in, in the approaches that he used. And later on, she ended up working uh, in, in a team that, that discovered yet another fundamental particle, which was uh, the solar neutrino. So not just one, but two fundamental particles, right? Just, just in case <laughs> the, 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 the people forgot her, her one discovery. She's had more than one. So fascinating and and such interesting people. I, I would imagine that um, you you might have really benefited knowing this story of Viva Chowdhury as a as a young person in Bengal. The book really does such a nice job to overcome the invisibility of these women in in all their work. I wonder how you feel about these stories helping young people today, both boys and girls, in kind of challenging some of these societal norms about race, gender, class, all of this stuff, and the expectations that they might have in in pursuing a, a career in physics. Yeah, that is, of course, uh, my hope. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I honestly, of course, believe that science is for everyone, mm -hmm. but it can't actually be for everyone unless we, we are able to imagine ourselves as scientists. So that's Part of why we like to read about all these amazing people throughout history who have done amazing things. Mm. It's inspiring and inspiration is also for everyone. So I hope that these stories are able to engage everyone, not just young girls, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, everybody can mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. engage with these stories because they're about discovery and and overcoming challenges and being innovative and being passionate about what you do so these are things i think that are universal mm -hmm. so i hope that by uh, you know being able to connect in that universal way we can normalize these stories they shouldn't be exceptions they should be the norm and only then can we really say yes science is for everyone
you might even say that, you know, Biba Chattery persevered and, and that when learning of the Nobel Prize being, you know, awarded to someone else, she hung in and she continued to work. And I think that's also inspiring. Absolutely. In fact, none of these women were deterred by the fact that they were mm-hmm. not being acknowledged, that their you know, colleagues were getting the, all of the awards and the Nobel Prize, that they were not given their degrees, they were not considered to be equal to you know their uh, the, to the men they worked with for example and not of that deterred them because they had this self-belief they really connected with the science this is what they wanted to do and i think that hasn't changed because because you love it because we love it and i think that's really important to keep in mind that uh, this is something that is not about getting those awards or getting the acknowledgement it's about doing something where you can have an impact and contribute and you feel passionate about it. So I hope that's also one of the messages that people will be able to get from this book. Uh, Yeah, and I I know that our audience will get that from the book as well as from your upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. Of course, Shohini Ghosh has been our guest today. We'll be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out our show notes today. Women physicists and astronomers from around the world have transformed science and society. Dr. Shohini Gose is an example of that, has written about that, and will be speaking about it at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check it out. Check out Dr. Gose's book. It's wonderful. Again, the title is Her Space, Her Time, How Trailblazing Women Scientists Decoded the Hidden Universe. Dr. Gose, thanks for your time today. It's been a pleasure. And um I uh, am looking forward to your upcoming presentation. Please, please come back as you do additional work. I know our audience will, will be eager to hear more from you. I would love to. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. My thanks to Smithsonian Associate Shohini Ghosh. Smithsonian Associate Shohini Ghosh will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates. Coming up, please check out our website for more details. Thank you, Dr. Ghosh, for reading from your new book, Her Space, Her Time, How Trailblazing Women Scientists Decoded the Hidden Universe. My thanks always to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Interview Series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. To find out more about all of today's stories or to view our extensive back catalog of previous shows, simply visit notold-better.com. Join us again next time as we deep dive into some of the most fascinating real-life stories from across the world, all focused on this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on community radio.